Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Aces with love is stopped. Picked up by Gray. She can go coast to coast. There's three. There's two. She's going to launch from three. Chelsea Gray for three. Unbelievable. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Jackie's got it. Aces got numbers. Three on two. To Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Boom, shaka, waka, waka, boom. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. To Bay, she's open for three. She sees it. She's got the bucket. One, two, three times for Bay Bay. T.C. Martin. And you got that right. Money won't change it. Raquana, Bay Bay Williams, boom. This is the greatest show. The ball is in the air. The Las Vegas Aces have won their very first WNBA championship. The doctor is now here. Amazing. Coming to you live from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Yes, we are going to be here a few more days after the Aces lose to the New York Liberty yesterday afternoon by a score of 87 to 73 which means Aces still in control of the series leading two games to one and game number four will be Wednesday so therefore yes we will uh, be here until at least Thursday we fly back and hopefully there will not be a fifth game if necessary but we'll dive into all that today TC Martin here at the Barclays Center as the uh, Brooklyn Nets are on the floor along with the Philadelphia 76ers with NBA action here tonight in the Barclays Center. WNBA Finals yesterday. Take a little break. Wednesday, game number four. But Nets and uh, Sixers. A little rivalry here and a little NBA preseason action. T.C. Martin here courtside at the Barclays Center. And back in the studio, my guys, Marco D'Angelo, our Regular bookend on Monday and Friday, and C. Win Chris Win also in studio today, fellas. What's going on? Good to join the party. Kind of crash things on a Monday with UTC, and of course uh, Marco D'Angelo, as you pointed out, right? Mm-hmm. All kinds of action to discuss as we had uh, the Aces of the Liberty on full display on uh, noon on a Sunday, and uh, of course here at, live on the airwaves here in Vegas with TC Martin on the call. But uh, a, a ton to talk about and storylines of plenty, right? Yeah, no question. And uh, on the show today, we will dive into what happened in Game Three, uh, preview Game Number Four, and even. Again, could there be a Game 5? Um, only time will tell with that. But, uh, the, you know, there, there's so much to talk about with that. So we'll dive into that. We'll also hit the NFL. The Raiders got a big victory yesterday against the New England Patriots. You guys will probably have a lot more information on that since that game was going simultaneously as I was broadcasting Game 3 of the NBA Finals. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys about that and then also run through the NFL. Of course, there were uh, some upsets, even though it was a majority of favorites that covered. Chuck Esposito, who normally joins us on uh, on Mondays, will join us at uh, 3.30 Pacific time. So we'll talk to Chuck, as uh, we normally do on Mondays, and get his thoughts on how everything was from the sportsbook uh, side. So we got that. And, of course, Major League Baseball, the postseason. Yes, the AL uh, Championship Series going on right now. And then also tonight, it'll be game number one in the NLCS between the surprising Diamondbacks and the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. So a lot to hit on with that. Uh, Marco, I don't want, I don't want to tip a hand with all that. And I know that, uh, you probably got action on 
on at least one of those games, two of those games, we'll recap some football. Uh, but uh, this, uh, this uh, ALCS uh, not going our way thus far. No, it's not. I'm on Houston today. I passed yesterday's game, and Valdez uh, could ugly first uh, first inning for him. They're down four nothing already, and this Texas team. I mean, this is a team we talked about at TC how many times? At one point, they they led the division for almost the entire season. Came down to the final weekend of the season, they could have went from being the first place team in the AL West to not even making the playoffs. They had to beat Seattle uh, the final weekend to get it, and then uh, they almost won the division. Houston uh, won the division by winning on the last day of the season and Texas losing when Seattle had nothing to play for. But this is a team since the playoffs have started. They've rolled every game, and uh, they're one of those streaky teams. We say baseball is the streakiest sport of any. And we're seeing it right now with what's happening in the playoffs. And TC yeah. Marco, Justin Verlander was pretty much unstoppable, right, in starts in game ones for uh, across his career, whether it was in Houston or Detroit. When he, you know, when he when he had playoff starts there, that's something, of course, that uh, turned the tide in game one of this series as well. Yeah, no question. You know, Verlander uh, again wasn't horrible. You know, yesterday, mm-hmm. and again, just uh, he only gave up you know two runs. One was a solo shot. Then they. You know, they got one, um, you know, early on in uh, the beginning of the game. But uh, for the most part, Ber- Verlander did his his thing. But, for, for you know, Framber Valdez, guys, has just been a problem for the past two months of the season. Obviously, he has uh, had his worst season as an Astro. Uh, he was great in 2020 in, this, in, this, in the uh, COVID-shortened uh, season. 2021, phenomenal, an all-star. Uh, this year just hasn't got it going. And, uh, you know, the velocity's down, uh, has had a lot of control problems. And, uh, so really not much of a surprise that, that Valdez has not been sharp today because he hasn't been sharp for the better part of, I would say, probably Marco's last six or seven starts. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a little scary if you're an Astros team, but I will say this. The Astros are the best road team in baseball. Definitely the best in the American League, so watch out as uh, they get it going here. Uh, and they have been phenomenal thus far in uh, in the postseason on the road and definitely in the regular season. Much better on the way than at home. If you look at Houston at home this year, guys, I mean, barely above 500 at home. So, uh, again, it, Texas is a team that they have owned. And uh, when you get to that Texas pitching staff, probably past Montgomery, and even uh, Eovaldi today, uh, don't be surprised if the Astros even this thing on the road, and this thing may be going seven. Jordan Montgomery for the Rangers for the last month of the season, there wasn't anybody better. Now, he had a rough start, his last start in the playoffs, but everything prior to that, and then again yesterday, he's been their most consistent pitcher by far. And a quick point to TC, Jordan Montgomery, no, you know, uh, no, no disrespect to him, but I don't expect the Astros, when you look at their lineup one through nine, you're talking about one of the best in Major League Baseball. They were two, the, uh, one through four yesterday, gentlemen, two for 12, right, with no production whatsoever. Don't expect that to continue as well for the Astros. I expect the offense to get going as this series continues. And, and you're right. And as far as Jordan Montgomery goes, guys, 
he had six strikeouts uh, in this game, but the Astros left a ton of runners on base, and they had their opportunities, like you said. And if it wasn't for a base running gap by Jose Altuve in the eighth inning, uh, who knows? Maybe the Astros, you know, win that game or maybe extend the game and, and, and go to extra innings because Jose Altuve led off with a walk, you know, once you got to the Rangers' bullpen in the eighth inning, and then Bregman hits a shot that would have been out probably any other park, and then it, it gets hit in the left center field in that deep well, and a miraculous catch by the uh, the, the Rangers' uh, center fielder as he goes up. Uh, on the wall there, snags it. Altuve gets to second, forgets to retouch second, and they double him off. And it's funny because Altuve got back to first without a throw, uh, and the uh, Rangers appealed it and touched second, and the second-base umpire said, no, he's safe. But then they went to the review. Bruce Bochy says, no, that's wrong. We didn't see him touch it. And they went back, kind of a lengthy review, and Altuve did not touch it. So you can't have those kind of base-running gaffes, especially in the postseason like that. And just think, I mean, you know, the Astros could have done some business, especially, again, with, um, you know, uh, uh, coming up there, you've got um, Tucker and, and Alvarez, uh, you know, and Abreu all coming up against the Rangers' bullpen. That could have been a huge inning for the Astros in the eighth, but that just killed the rally, and then they went down quietly in the ninth. But only a 2 nothing loss yesterday. But when you got Valdez going today, that is a little bit scary. And like Marco said, uh, Texas jumped all over him with four runs in the first. But it is Minute Maid Park. The Astros could get it going. So uh, we'll see how this thing uh, unfolds. And then we got game number two, or rather, I'm sorry, game number one coming your way tonight as uh, Philadelphia is hosting the surprise Arizona Diamondbacks. Marco, do any action in that? Uh, that one I'm not in. I leaned to Philadelphia, but I didn't want to lay that price. I thought the price was a little bit higher than it should have been. And a quick scoreboard update, TC, as well as Marco. And Numchuck right now, we're here in the top of the second. Not good news for Houston Astros fans. 4 nothing Texas already top of the second inning in game two of the ALCS. Yeah, and the, the Rangers already have six hits uh, in that game. Uh, you look at the nightcap, game one, like we said, of the NLCS, you got a pair of Zacks going against each other, and basically two of the, their best pitchers, Zach Gallon going for Arizona, who's had a phenomenal season, 2-0 and in the postseason. Zach Wheeler going for Philly, he's 1-0. Both these guys got microscopic ERAs. See when who you like, Diamondbacks or Phillies in game one. I got to lean towards the Philadelphia Phillies right now. You talked about Zach Wheeler. What a story, him coming over, right? With the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, he was thought to be a guy that was probably going to be a number three type of guy, a guy that could eat innings possible, you know, uh, you know, occasional strikeouts here or there. He's been much more than what they expected and a bargain as far as uh, the ace of that staff. And then, of course, you know, look, there's a local connection here in Las Vegas. We love to have, you know, the likes of uh, Bryson Stott, you know, Desert Oasis High School, and, of course, Bryce Harper there in Philadelphia. I do love that that uh, that whole kind of thing, the, the whole Philly embracing Bryce Harper thing to me is fascinating. And uh, I'm taking a hard look at the Philadelphia Phillies in this matchup and in this in this series, quite frankly. Marco, anything on the, on the series for you? I know that uh, Philly is a, is a pricey favorite, but the Diamondbacks are playing phenomenal. I mean, you look at the Texas Rangers. Those two teams, both the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, I mean, no real, no one playing better in the last two weeks. No, and nobody would have thought that they would have, that Arizona would have went in and swept the Dodgers the way they did. 
Now, Zach Gallon on the mound tonight for Arizona. He has been their most consistent pitcher by far, no question about that. But if you look at his home and road splits, there is a big difference uh, between him. Now, late in the season when they needed some key games out of him, he did pitch well on the road, but you still got to look at the whole season. And he's been vulnerable on the road. And I think this is a game Philadelphia needs to get tonight and if they could pull it off, because if you lose tonight, uh, you know we know how you know these series go. Uh, road teams going in there. Arizona's just hoping for a split. And uh, I just I like Zach. I like the other Zach Wheeler. I think you know he's the more experienced guy for you know being in a pressure situation, and he's been the te- the guy that they've leaned on down the stretch uh, this season. But when you get Philadelphia. I generally have a tendency to go first five more so than go full game because I'm not a big fan of the bullpen. I hold my breath with them. Philadelphia's, I hold my, well, Arizona's is the same way. And of course with Texas, but Texas's bullpen hasn't come into play so far in the series that they've had. Everyone talks about momentum, right? They think, okay, well, you look at the Texas Rangers, you look at the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, a couple surprise teams, but they're, they're riding with momentum. But here's the thing about momentum. It can change in one game. It actually can change in the course of a game, and then that momentum could be gone. So, yes, these teams had momentum coming into these series, and especially when you're playing every day, except, you know, you have a, maybe a day travel to go to the other, other team's home, but you know, again, these teams have had, you know, four or five, you know, days off. So I really don't play much into the momentum of what Arizona has done up to this point. I know it's working well, you know, for the Rangers right now. But uh, just be careful when you talk about momentum because it can change from series to series with matchups and that sort of thing. But you can see a team that could get shut out today, and that momentum is quickly turned. And we see that, you know, especially in baseball where – you know, bats get hot and bats get cold instantaneously. So uh, just because Arizona has been on fire for, you know, the, the last series or two with a very short, you know, turnaround, they've had a long wait here before they go into Philadelphia. So I'm just saying be careful, especially with another team that has a lot of explosive bats in the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, and a quick note on that too, TC, when it comes to Arizona, and and obviously Marco kind of alluded to this, it is great from an offensive standpoint, right, when you have a guy like a Darrell Jr. who has been very effective really in the last 10 games for them offensively. And then, of course, court, the emergence of Corbin Carroll, yeah. right? We're talking about a budding superstar there with the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's great to have a couple of guys like that from an offensive standpoint uh, moving forward into the NLCS. All right. All right, Chris Wynn and Marco D'Angelo back in the studio. I am here in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, getting ready for a basketball game here tonight, the NBA exhibition with the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers, and we're fresh off of game number three in front of 17,143 yesterday, guys. It was a 3 o'clock start, 12 noon back there in Pacific time zone where the New York Liberty finally got a win in the WNBA finals as they defeated the Las Vegas Aces. The win snapped an 11 game win streak for the Aces. The Aces still in control of the series two games to one but it was the first loss of the playoffs for the Aces. They were 7-0 coming in to the game yesterday and like I said snapped that 11 game win streak and you could just see the confidence oozing from the Aces leading into this game yesterday. Got a chance to 
you know, to go to practice the day before. Uh, the Aces were loose, unlike they were the first two trips, you know, coming to the Barclays Center in New York where the Liberty just spanked the Aces in the two regular season games back in the first week of August and the third week of August, uh, and those games weren't even close. And I was looking at the Liberty, got a chance to talk to John Quell Jones uh, the day before the game going back on Saturday, and she was just frustrated. And you could just see the looks on the Liberty's faces. Like, they almost seemed like they were done. And their coach just kept pleading with them, saying, listen, Vegas hasn't done nothing. All they've done is win two games on their home floor, and they protected home court. Now we got to come back and protect our home court and do what we did against them. And that's exactly what the Liberty did. And I know that the Aces were a favorite in the game yesterday, a point and a half. And Marco and I talked about this with Jay Cornegay on Friday at the Westgate at the Superbook. And I didn't understand why the Aces were a slight road favorite in, in that game. Because this has been a home court series throughout. You go to the seven games in this series during the regular season and the finals, and the home team has won every game. And the home team has won by double digits. The closest game in this series was when the Liberty beat the Aces on August the 28th by nine points. Everything else has been blowout city. You saw what the Aces did in games one and two, where they won 99-82, 104-76, and that's why the Liberty was really flustered. But they really didn't have a lot of confidence until they got the game going yesterday and they started hitting the threes. The number one three-point shooting team in the WNBA. They had 13 yesterday, so now the script has flipped and now... The Liberty are feeling, okay, now we're back to August again. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And the biggest news that came out of yesterday's game is the injury to Chelsea Gray. With four minutes to play in the game, Chelsea Gray went down with a foot injury. And uh, she jogged off the floor, kind of limping, and she jogged right in front of me on her way to the Aces bench. At that point in time, I wasn't exactly sure what the nature of the injury was. And... I saw her looking, you know, down at her leg and her foot, and I said, okay, well, that's that, that's got to be either a knee or an ankle or a foot. And then she got over to the bench, and then she was escorted back to the locker room. And then we got word uh, er, um, probably about two minutes later that she is not going to be returning, and she's going to stay in the lo- locker room and get checked out. So uh, there is no news as of right now on Chelsea Gray, but I can tell you just from – the looks of things last night after the game, talking to staff, talking to players, that it did not look good, and more than likely, it's not expected for her to play, which could be a devastating blow for the Aces, but nothing official. She was uh, seeing doctors today, um, getting an MRI today, and uh, no word as of yet. So as soon as we get any word, uh, we will talk about it, we will pass it on, but as of right now, everything is quiet on the Chelsea Gray front, but I think at this point in time, you probably have to assume that she's not going to play, even though you know she wants to get back on this court because this is the finals, and we're down to the final two games. TC, when she went to the bench, you could see they had the camera on her, and you could read her lips. She said, I heard it pop. Yeah. You know, so what she was referencing, whether it was the foot or the ankle, but, she, you know, she told them on the bench, I heard it pop. So, well, if you hear, and, and, and I know, and that's what, uh, you know, the, the cameras and audio picked up yesterday. 
And when you hear that, and again, not to play a doctor or whatever, even though I, I play one on the radio, and I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Actually, I didn't. It was a different hotel. But you know where I'm going. Uh, that's, that sounds like an Achilles, you know. And when you look at the way it, it twisted and turned, and heaven forbid, you do not want to assume anything. So that's why I don't want to assume anything. But, again, that is... Uh, a very treacherous injury. That is the injury that Kelsey Plum, uh, you know, t- took nearly a year to come back from. Kevin Durant, uh, and, and so many others. That is just a, a, a terrible, terrible injury. Clay Thompson, another one, but uh, that is not an easy recovery. So we'll have to see, uh, what happens. But it just, like you guys said, you guys saw it from televisions. I saw it here, and again, it just kind of happened in a blur. Uh, and it did not look good. And make no mistake about it, right, guys? When you're going on the road, particularly in a playoff series like the Aces are doing here against the New York Liberty, it is tough sledding in a game like yes, a game like yesterday, where your top two of your top offensive cogs and Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray, before she went out with the injury, are shooting eight for twenty-eight in the game. Right, you're getting a double double from Asia, but it's not an MVP type Asia Wilson double double. It's with sixteen and eleven, right? And you're just not it, getting three-point baskets is a struggle for the Aces in this tilt, right? Kelsey was able to knock down some, but everybody else pretty much struggled across the board, including AC off the bench for this team. So offensively, when you're not getting threes to go down, you're not being very productive offensively. And then on the other side of things, with the Liberty, you've got pretty much every starter in double digits with the exception of of a, of a free throw, you know, essentially by Sabrina and Eskew. Everybody for the, the New York Liberty, there was balance across the board offensively. That's going to translate into a W, and that's exactly what's the case for the New York Liberty in Game 3 of this WNBA Finals. Yeah, and, and the credit really has to go to the New York Liberty's defense. I mean, it was suffocating. They were swarming yesterday. And, again, they realized they, their, their backs were against the, the wall. And, again, the way every one of these games has gone, and I'm talking about these seven regular season games. You want to throw eight? You want to throw the Commissioner's Cup game in there? Go ahead. Uh, but they've all been the same. You've seen tight first halves, and the team that comes out in the third quarter usually comes out with an explosion, and then it's game over. And that's exactly what happened in game one. It happened in game two. The two home games at the Michelob Ultra Arena. And then game three yesterday. It was a 43-40 game. It was ugly on both sides. I mean, neither team was was shooting lights out. The Liberty were on fire from three. And the Aces were on fire at the free throw line. They got the Liberty into some foul trouble. And they were getting to the stripe. And the Aces were, were hanging around because uh, they got to the free throw line, uh, you know, you know, over 20 times in the game. Which uh, they didn't get to the free throw line that much in game number two. So then the third quarter came, and then it was just, you know, turn off the lights. And that's exactly what we saw in the two games here in Brooklyn in August. And we've seen that on the flip side with the Aces on their home floor. So it should not be a surprise that the Liberty won yesterday. It shouldn't be a surprise if the Liberty win game number four. But then, you know, game five, the Aces will have the home court. And if everything goes according to plan, then you would expect the Aces to win. However, it all changes if Chelsea Gray cannot go because you are saying goodbye to 16 points and seven assists a game. And not only from a statistical standpoint, but you're talking about your floor leader. And it will be very, very tough uh, to make that up. So 
again, I'll give the Liberty all the credit in the world because the way I watched them play defense yesterday and what John Quell did, John Quell Jones with 27 points, uh, she was phenomenal. And uh, so I'm not going to put the blame on Asia. I'm not going to put the blame on, on the Aces missing shots because every shot was contested. With TC, it, assuming Gray is out, that's going to end up making, I would guess, Kelsey Plum be the floor general. And she's the natural, you know, to go to that. The problem is, through this series so far, for the first three games, Kelsey Plum has been the most consistent player on the floor for the Aces. And, you know, we've needed her scoring. She's, you know, yesterday she's the only one that really had a big game, 29 points yesterday. If she has to be the floor general, that's going to take some of that offensive uh, firepower away from here because she's going to be trying to facilitate the, the ball to other people, you know, to get them involved. And we talked about many times, we know this Aces team, it's four players and then a very, very limited bench. If we got to go th- the core three, you know, now, we're, who's that person that's going to step up? Alicia Clark had, you know, a good game yesterday, contributed with nine points. The only other person that, you know, really had a shooting percentage because the whole team in general, they shot what, 33 or 36%? 36%, right. Yeah. From yeah. the floor, you, you just, you're not going to win a game like that. I don't care who's on the floor. You got to be in five big, shots off the bench, yeah. too, right? So yeah. Not yeah. a lot of production. Well, again, again, I mean, you got to throw the bench out because Becky has not gone to the bench and she's not going to go to the bench. And like she said in the beginning of the series, they, they don't have a bench and the starters are going to play the bulk of the minutes as long as they don't get into foul trouble. And, you know, they have it. Here's the thing, though, Marco, regarding that. It's not so much that Kelsey Plum is going to be the floor general and the point guard. Okay, I think that's a lot of conventional thinking, but here's the deal. Becky Hammond's offense does not run that way. If you watch the Aces, all three of the guards who share the bulk of the time, the, the trio of Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, and Kelsey Plum uh, all spend time bringing the ball up court. And the way the Aces offense is, it's not that true one-point guard. You have two wings and you have two post players. It's basically a, a, a three-guard unit where you have constant motion and movement, and they end up everywhere on the floor. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, Kelsey Plum is still going to get her shots. Jackie Young will be spending time at the point. Chelsea Gray will bring, uh, rather, uh, Kelsey Plum will be bringing the ball up the court. Jackie Young will. And then Sydney Colson, who Becky Hammond said is, is going to have to see more minutes. Now, uh, Sydney Colson can play. The, the problem is she hardly plays very, very many minutes. There was that stretch about three quarters of the way through the season where Colson was the first one off the bench for about a six or seven game stretch. Now, is she capable of, of scoring double figures and this, that? No, not really. But she is a veteran player who's been in this league for eight points. Is she going to replace Chelsea Gray? No, she's not. But they have confidence in her, and she's not going to turn the ball over, and she's going to make the right decisions. And, again, she is really that second-floor leader, that second you know person who's on the bench, and that's why she was kept on this team you know, for uh, being the coach. got to remember, she's – She's an assistant coach at Texas A&M in, in the offseason. So, you know, you're going you're gonna to lose production. There's no question about that. You already have a short bench. There's no question about that. But uh, Kelsey Plum is still going to get her points. Jack Young is going get, to get her points. And what needs to happen in this scenario 
is Asia Wilson now needs to get 30-plus. Right? That's what needs to happen. Alicia Clark, who's going to get more minutes now. Now she'll, she'll get 30 minutes, okay? And now she needs to come in and provide double figures. So someone's got to make up the Chelsea Gray production. But we've seen the Aces roll, guys, in the first two games. Chelsea Gray did not have big point production games. It was Plum and Young and Asia. So I think that's where the formula is. And you just got to hope that they don't get wore down. Another advantage of having a game on Wednesday, having, you know, basically, you know, a full two days plus, you know, rest, that will help them. But if they do drop game number four, this is where the schedule quirk really comes into play is the game five is Friday, which I don't necessarily agree. That, uh, but this is what the WNBA is doing with their partnership with ESPN. They only will play games on Sundays and Wednesdays and Fridays. And since we've been doing the whole Wednesday-Sunday thing, you would think that they would have game number five, if necessary, on Sunday, like they've had games number one and game number three, instead of this quick turnaround. It's the most important game of these teams' season. Not just the, the, the postseason, the entire season could come down to game five, and you're going to travel over 3,000 miles, cross-country flight on Thursday, get in, you know, late Thursday night and turn around and play a 6 o'clock Pacific game, that doesn't make any sense. But that's what you're looking at here, and none of that really kind of bodes well for the Aces. No, and we know that we've said during the course of the season that was the problem with the schedule when the Aces had problems was the quick turnaround in so many games. So now, yeah, we've got the break, like you said, the Wednesday, but turning around the Friday, that's a huge, huge edge to the Liberty. I, I will say this, guys, that this was the exact same situation the Aces had last year against the Connecticut Sun. Aces won the first two games rather handily. They went to Connecticut and played game number three in a closeout situation. It was identical to what we had here yesterday. Uh, the WNBA went through the uh, trophy presentation rehearsal earlier in the day. You went through all that. They were all prepared to drop the confetti and go through the, the practice round and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I remember seeing it last year and went through it again yesterday. And then the Aces got blown out by the Connecticut Sun in game three. All right. And then all of a sudden people said, well, all right, here we go. You know, this, this thing could go five. The Aces came out in game number four, and it was a close game, but they put together a great fourth quarter, and they ended up closing the Connecticut Sun out in game four. And what's the common denominator there? Oh, yeah, John Quell Jones, part of that Connecticut Sun team. Now she's part of the New York Liberty team. She knows that. We talked about that the other day. So just because the Aces dropped game three, uh, they're more than capable of taking care of business. Again, they were 15-5 and five on the road this year, but I... You know, we all agree that if Chelsea Gray cannot go, or even if she can go, and she's, you know, less than 100%, which definitely would be the case, that's where the scary part comes in and the fact that they have not been able to win a game on this floor. TC, I'm going to also throw in there, I know you hate when I say it, but this one's got credence. I got to throw the conspiracy theory in, and I'm not talking <laughs> about ESPN and ABC for ratings. I'm talking about 
we needed a game four so you could have four more meals in New York. There you go. I think we'll agree with that. <laughs> Always a silver lighting Mark is going to toss out there, right? And also throw the Vegas light out, gentlemen. Uh, right? Vegas has spoken, right? The uh, New York Liberty minus four in this uh, game four matchup. So uh, obviously the Chelsea Gray injury, right, TC? It's, it's just, I mean, you can't overstate the importance she has with this team and, uh, of course, to, to what Vegas thinks about what, about this matchup. No question. And I've always said, you know, when Chelsea Gray became a member of the Aces and Bill Lambeer went and got her, you know, going back, you know, three years ago, four years ago, it was like, wow, th- now now there's a difference maker. Because remember, you had Kelsey Plum trying to run the point and it, 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 it didn't work. Uh, again, Bill Lambier's offense totally different than Becky Hammond's, but Chelsea Gray, a proven commodity, all-star MVP, uh, you know, won a championship in the 2016 with the Sparks, her and Candace Park and Raquana Williams, all aces that, you know, were there. And then Chelsea Gray got here. It was just a whole different level because you just bring this experienced veteran point guard that can do it all and just such a positive and calming voice. And if you guys, I mean, you know, uh, see, when you're at those games, yep. you know, games one and two, Marco was too. I mean, you guys were both there, just like I was. Uh, you, you saw Chelsea Gray just being vocal. You saw her, you know, winding up the camera, getting everybody fired up. I mean, when Chelsea Gray gets pumped up and gets going – and gets everybody else involved. Uh, it just it just raises everybody else up, and now that element's going to be missing. So it is a huge factor, not only from her production but her leadership as well. Update, All right, update from H Town uh, as we go to break. Right, TC five one Texas Rangers on top, top of the third over the Astros at Minute Maid Park. Yep, Framber Valdez struggling the Astros. Uh, two errors, you know, in that contest. Very uncharacteristic of them, but the Rangers' bats are are on fire. Uh, even though they didn't explode yesterday, but uh, they continue to to bang today. They've already got seven hits, and they're in their third at bat in the third inning. So, like C. Win said, five one Texas will keep updated on that. And then a little bit later tonight, you've got the Diamondbacks in Philadelphia opening up that uh, so that postseason of the NLCS in Philadelphia. All right. We are here live in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. We come back. We'll talk some NFL football and talk about what happened yesterday to Legion Stadium with the Raiders getting another victory, make it two in a row. Look out for those Raiders, huh, guys? Uh, we'll talk about that NFL rundown. Chuck Esposito will join us next hour as we continue on by coastal today from the Barclays Center to our studios in Vegas. It is the T.C. Martin Show on a magnificent Monday. This is Showtime Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning into the T.C. Martin Show. Going to work here on a Monday, coming to you live from Brooklyn, side of the Barclays Center, the WNBA Finals. Game number three yesterday between the Aces and the Liberty with a Liberty victorious. Game four coming your way Wednesday. Tonight, we got NBA action, the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers with a preseason game. So the teams are on the court right now. We're coming to you live from the Barclays Center going to work. Showtime Sean Porter, my guy, had many great fights here in this building. This was like his his home court, so to speak, his home ring, as he had many, many great fights in this arena. Undefeated, I believe, in this uh, building as well. Marco D'Angelo, Chris Wynn, Bicoastal in our studios in Las Vegas. And guys, let's talk a little NFL action and start with the Raiders from uh, 
from yesterday, I didn't get a chance to, to see any of that contest. And I will say, guys, that uh, as you probably know, Mark Davis made the trip here. And I was very curious if uh, there was much commentary from either Raiders fans or national media that were broadcasting that game saying, hey, Mark Davis is at the Aces game in Brooklyn, and he's not uh, not at the Raiders game. But uh, I, was, I was glad to see Mark here. I knew Mark was going to be here just like he was last year for the finals in Connecticut. But the difference was last year the Raiders were on the road. I believe they were playing uh, at SoFi Stadium against the Chargers when that happened. And uh, But Mark Davis missed a home game, and I believe it's the first time in 34 years that he's missed a home game. Uh, and I know that uh, he hated to miss that, but he was very, very happy to be here to support the Aces, the team that he also owns. So uh, just curious what the vibe was in Vegas regarding that. Yeah, Marco, I was in there actually covering the game, but I was watching it on TV, TC, so I was watching. And by the way, CBS sent their number one team there. That was a feature game in the afternoon between the Patriots and Raiders, obviously because of the connection, right, between New England and, and Vegas and with players and coaches. But uh, it, the point you brought up, TC, yeah, they're, they're, they uh, unfortunately did not really mention anything when it came to Mark Davis and the Aces as far as uh, any discussion regarding this game. Right. Yeah, he was there for the Monday night game, and he got caught on camera <laughs> say, saying something uh-huh. in frustration uh, uh, to uh, his girlfriend or wife that was in the, the box with him there. This is uh, a spot that, you know, he had a chance for a championship yesterday. It was a closeout game. Yeah, yeah. That's where you got to be. I'm sorry, no disrespect to the Raiders, but you own both teams, and one's playing for a championship and is the defending champs. And, well, you know what? I'm sorry. The Raiders, you haven't done a whole heck of a lot. And I was watching the WNBA game, full disclosure. I didn't watch the Raider game. One, because um, New England's dead to me. (laughs) I just, they are. Shocker right there. Yeah, I I didn't want to watch that and and get sucked into having some kind of play with the the Patriots (laughs) yesterday. And lo and behold, uh, they had an opportunity to cover until they didn't. (laughs) <laughs> the yeah. Raiders with the with the safety got the cover, and uh, it, it's just been a. I don't know where the where the Patriots go from here. Yeah, you know, here's the but, deal, right? TC. I mean, it was, the storyline was this: you got you know Josh McDaniels, teacher versus pupil. You've got two teams with a lot of connections. Whether it was obviously Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer, and of course Jacoby Myers, you know, playing against their former team. But the bottom line was, from a you know from a gameplay standpoint and from an overall perspective, the Raiders were able to grind out a win against a team that they're just a little bit better than between two teams that probably are not going to be playoff contenders. That is really the reality of the situation. And, uh, yeah, it was here in Vegas, and we get that. But uh, it, it wasn't anything that was, uh, you know, blowing anybody's doors off when it came to that. And much like Marco, I was someone who was bouncing back and forth between the Aces game there in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center and, of course, this Raiders-Patriots game here in Vegas. Yeah, and the reason why I bring it up, is you, as you know, guys, I mean, from the total sports perspective here, yes, the Aces game, a WNBA Finals game with the Aces involved, is 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 top shelf. Especially, you know, I know the NFL, you know, but it is is number one. We we get that, but the Raiders are not top shelf when it comes to the NFL, and neither are the Patriots. And so, if you're a, a true sports fan or an all around sports fan, you'll get that. And the reason why I bring it up because. 
I remember that a lot of people had comments about Mark Davis, you know, going to Connecticut. Like, why why would he do that? Well, <laughs> because he is the owner of this team, and if people don't know by now, he loves this team. He elected to purchase this team from the MGM because he loves women's basketball. He loves the WNBA. And he fell in love with this Aces team. His footprint is all over this team, and his footprint is all over this league. You are now seeing other ownerships, ownership groups that are making moves like Mark Davis is is making as far as upgrading facilities and trying to uh, take better care of their players and that sort of thing uh, in, in going out and getting free agents and spending more money with the collective bargaining agreement that was put into place last year with the WNBA players can make more money now. They're having more and more endorsements. So, you know, I think true sports fans know where the WNBA is as far as in comparison to the other sports, granted, but it is in a much better place than it was 10 years ago, five years ago, and even two and three years ago. And I think, you know, people should understand that it's not a shocker, not a surprise that Mark Davis is going to be here supporting the team that he owns in a finals and, like Marco said, a closeout situation. So, yeah, he hates missing Raider games, but, man, uh, he is so enthused and loves this team, and uh, it was a no-brainer. When I sat there and talked to him before the game yesterday, right when he arrived in the building, he goes, there was no question. There, was, there was, wasn't a question at all. Of course I'm going to be here. Said the same thing last year in Connecticut. So uh, we know that, but I still think there's that fraction of people that's just look at the WNBA as a third-world sport, so to speak, which it isn't. No, it's not on the same level as the NBA or Major League Baseball or the NFL uh, or even, you know, maybe the NHL. But it has its own fan base in its own niche. But when you see the crowds that the Aces had, 10,300, that sold out in 20 minutes, by the way, for games one and two, and game five, if necessary, already sold out. But you had 17,143 in this NBA building here. And you guys know because you were at the game uh, in the last round against uh, uh, or the first round, right, where T-Mobile Arena, what the Aces have, the same number of people almost, over 17,100. So there is an audience for this league. It's there in Vegas. It's definitely here in New York. And if you build a winner, it will come. And we all know what New York basketball fans are all about. They are rabid. They are crazy. I mean, when the Knicks were good, and it's been a long time since they've been good, they would pack the garden, all right? The New Jersey Nets, when they were good, they would pack wherever they play, in New Jersey or Long Island and now here in Brooklyn. But this New York Liberty team, they love this team here, and it showed out yesterday 17,143 with that. So, uh, you know, sports fans know that, uh, you know, th- this is a hot ticket. And you're seeing on both here in Vegas, and they did it yesterday in New York, they're showing the celebrities in, yeah. you know, in the stands. <laughs> you know, it's, we're used to seeing Jack Nicholson at Laker games, and, you know, all the celebs, on, you know, but when you're seeing them show up for the women's basketball, that is helping the sport as well. And then the other thing with, uh, Mark Davis, as you said, he's changing the league with his footprint. And then to do things like, even though it was only a minority share, but to sell a piece of the team to Tom Brady, 
Again, that is expanding again. You just attach Tom Brady's name to anything. That's going to get people curious, and that's going to help grow the sport as well. Okay, Numchuck, I want to I want to involve you with this as well too, and and with with all with both of you guys. See, si. Marco uh, talked about the notable uh, celebrities and individuals that were here, from the sporting world to the acting world. Okay, I'm going to go down the list of the list that they gave us yesterday of of the people that were here. And uh, full disclosure, I, if you guys you know know these people here, all right, so. Uh, Val Ackerman was the commissioner of the Big East Conference, founding president of the WNBA. All right. Richie Adubato. All right. I know Richie Adubato. I covered the Orlando Magic when there he was down there as an assistant and as a head coach. That's Richie's right. awesome. That's yeah. right. There you go. Yeah. NBA and his former New York Liberty uh, coach as well, as well too. Mm-hmm. Gino Oriema. Okay. Household name, right? Everybody knows Gino. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. Um, Mac Ayers. A Y E R S. I don't know who that is. Mac Ayers. No, no Numbchuck. No. If we get some of these musicians, I, I expect a little music I'm... here, okay? <laughs> Mac Ayers. All right. All right. Let me see what, uh, who else we have here. Then there were several WNBA legends. Sue Bird, obviously. I mean, future Hall of Famer. Uh, we know Sue Bird. Absolutely. Mikhail Bridges, right here. I see him on the court shooting right in front of me. Mikhail Bridges, who is at games one and two, right? Of the Brooklyn Nets. He was there. Uh, Wilson Chandler, C. Win. You might remember Wilson Chandler, all right? Kinds, all kinds of love for Wilson Chandler. Yeah, yes. there you go. No, exactly. All right, retired NBA player. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. How about Telfar Clemens? Now, Marco, you should know who Telfar Clemens who is. is. Who is that? Marco. Marco? No. Not anything? No, that's, that's a fashion designer, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> you got any of TC. TC have any of his threads? The doctor have any of that guy's, of that guy's gear? I don't. I should, though. Okay, you should. Uh, the aforementioned, who's right in front of me, just nailing jumper after jumper, your boy from Colorado, Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, love him. Former yep. Detroit Piston, of yep. course, so I'm yep. going to know that. Yeah. Numchuck might know Rachel Dratch. She's a comedian. Saturday Night Live. That sounds familiar. SNL, baby. There you go. Okay. See? There you go. She do the Boston accents and stuff yeah. on SNL? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I know what that is. Here's your, here's your guy, see, when I think you interviewed this guy back in Vegas. Harry Giles. 100%. There you go. Absolutely did. Yeah. There you go. Josh Hart. Villanova, New York Knicks, right? Josh Hart. A lot of Villanova peeps floating around that, that oh, neck of the I woods. Love, I yeah. love Villanova, baby. Here you go. All right. You all know Joan Jett. The Blackhearts oh, come were here, on now. but Joan Jett was here yesterday, baby. By the way, one of my favorites to ever do a Nirvana song on stage with the surviving members of Nirvana. She did uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Great job. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, now... I think that we this one may be out of our realm. And Numpcheck, you have to go and, and and bring up a song here. You going I boy band? Think, you going I boy band? I, I I don't think it's it's not my genre. It's not C Win mm-hmm. and definitely not Marcos. But please help me out here. Jungle Pussy was here. No idea whatsoever. <laughs> jungle what that Pussy, Numpcheck. That is not Jungle comment. Boogie, but Jungle Pussy. Help me out. <laughs> Numchuck knows all of these. I have no clue. Uh, well, Google it. I don't want to play anything that can get <laughs> FCC'd. A little FCC action coming our way here. With, At least you got to tell me the genre. Pussy. You got to tell me the genre, Numchuck. I mean, I'm a music guy. I don't know this one. It seems like it might be a rap. Numchuck <laughs> is sweating bullets over here, Doctor. I am trying to find he can one. Find something acceptable to go airwave with. Right. That's okay. Is, uh, so let's keep let's keep in the rap. Let's no, keep 
She's Let's an keep, indie rapper. Is indie what rapper. Music yeah. genre. All right. Here's one for you. And to see if Numchuck knows this one. Maybe a little bit more popular. Chinese Kitty. <laughs> Are they more popular because they probably have a huge audience in China? Is that why they're I mean, I don't know. I think New I've York City Sea Wind. I, yeah. think, I think independent label Sea Wind, underground, whatever. New York City, baby. Just all over the place. Yeah. All right. And then here we go. My guy yesterday. Yes, no question about it. Grandmaster Melly Mel. Oh, you can't go wrong with Melly Mel. Come on. Oh, yeah. I mean, Grandmaster Flash that is Furious old Five. School. That is that is that is royalty in hip hop history right there when there you bring you him up. Okay. All right. Okay, so now TC, I gotta bounce this off you. So I mean, look, we all understand it's New York is New York and Brooklyn is Brooklyn, right? But I, we gotta vouch for Vegas, right? We got bigger name celebs. You just named off a bunch of people and a bunch of, uh, you know, t- types of, uh, entities, I'll call them, right? Yeah, yeah. Here in Vegas, we just get more, don't we, doctor? I mean, yeah. we get the big time people. We're talking, you know, game, game, game two. You got Wanda Sykes out there. You got Vivica A. Fox. You got, you know, some big time hoopsters and big time sports stars the and one celebs. And only Flea. Flea, yeah, flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, Doctor. I mean, come on. If we're gonna start, if you want to go scoreboard, <laughs> gentlemen. When it comes to Brooklyn and the Barclays Center, no disrespect to the Big Apple in the area, but Vegas brings out the stars more, don't they, TC? No question, no question. Let's don't forget Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Exactly. He was there in Game One. He's been to several games. Uh, you know, again, Floyd yeah. Mayweather. I mean, it kind of goes on and on. You know, regulars. There's no question. I'll just finish out the list here. Uh, Tony Parker. You guys probably saw the the pick I, I I put out with uh, with Tony. Absolutely so, saw it. Yeah. So by Tony, the way, he's about the same height you are. Yeah. Thank Not you very much. I noticed that. Yeah. And uh, and uh, my girl Robin Roberts, who I was on the Maury Povich show with back in the day, Robin oh, wow. was here. So that was that was strong. Michael Shannon, the actor. Okay. Don Stately was here. Wait, wait, J- wait, wait. Jason Sudeikis. You, Sudeikis was there. Sudeikis is awesome too. You yeah, by the way, so, Sudeikis is a baller. He's a basketball player. Former I heard. player in college. Yeah. Right. You can hoop it a little bit. You were on Maury with Robin, right? Yes, yes. Nineteen nine, nineteen ninety two. Were you well, the Were you the father? <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> okay, so TC, what was the theme of the show, Numchuck, on Maury when TC was on the show? What was the theme? Doctor? I don't think Numchuck knows about this story. Maybe yeah, we. I don't know if we talked about it or not. So here's the deal, though. Long story short, <laughs> it was about uh, having spouses that were. Um, sports fanatics. So here's how the whole yeah. story went, guys. And of course, uh, Marco's going to start laughing because uh, well, you know, he's already I, laughing because yeah. I've because I've worked it. So okay. I come on. Uh, I was coaching high school basketball that time, and I come home, and uh, uh, my wife just got married at that point in time, and she's got Maury Povich on. And as I walk in the door, it says, "Do you have a sports crazed wife? Call Maury Povich Show one eight hundred this and that da 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 da." And then I said, oh, man. I said, are they talking to me or what? And then I said, give me that phone. I'm going to call. And then she goes, what are you talking about? You know, sports crazy. I'm not going on TV. I go, what are you talking about? Free trip to New York City, baby. We're going to go. I get on the phone. I leave this like a minute and a half long message. I've got the, my sports crazy wife. She dri- she drives me nuts. She drives our neighbors nuts. This and that. Can't control it. Blah, 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 blah. 
Next day, I get a phone call from the producers from Maury Povich. Sir, can you tell us a little bit more about your crazy wife? Absolutely. So we set up a, uh, a phone call with the producers. They go, sir, you're coming on the show. We're going to set a date, round trip airfare, hotel for, th- for three days, two nights, and you're going to be on the Maury Povich show. I go, rock on, baby. There we go. Went to Maury Povich. But the downside was I kind of had to play the guy that was like a non-sports guy. It's like, oh, man, there's going to be more acting from me than actually my wife. You know what I'm saying? So we come on the show, and you've got this this crazy lady from Cleveland. She brought all of her dog pound gear, and her husband, just total wimp city, right? So they start the show. We're in the green room. And we brought all kinds of Cubs stuff because you got to remember I proposed at Wrigley Field. We got Packer stuff, all this other kind of stuff. And they go, hey, man, uh, these guys aren't cutting it. Do you think you guys could liven it up a little bit in the next segment? We're going to bring you guys on. And uh, we're going to keep you on for the duration of the show. I go, no problem. And we put the dog pound dude. We took took him and put him in the back seat. That's all I got to say. So then here comes Robin Roberts. And so Robin comes on the show, and then she starts talking to me. Well, you know, TC, maybe you, me and your wife, you know, we could talk, you know, talk a little one-on-one and this and that because I know you got no game. And I just start going off on Robert Roberts. I go, baby, we can go horse. We can go one-on-one. We'll go shot for shot. I said the doctor's going to take you to the cleaners. And it was just this whole thing that went, that was great. And, um, yeah, so that's when we first met, and we've stayed in contact since. Just the utter disrespect of the T.C. Martin balling game, folks. Right? Come on. Right? Right? By right. the way, Marco, of all those talk shows you think that, that uh, T.C. would be on, would you think it would be Maury Povich? <laughs> I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking Morton Downey Jr.'s right. more his speed, right? I mean, that's that's what I'm thinking. You know what I heard through that whole montage of the, montage. the long story? Short is... In the end, it was a free trip <laughs> exactly. and free meals and free hotel. And that That's was what the I heard. Bingo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And your point is, there's nothing wrong with your point, right? We would all do it. Come on, baby. I think that was my first trip to New York City, too. Oh, man. Oh. All right. C. Wynn and Marco D'Angelo in the house in Vegas. TC with you here in Brooklyn with the Barclay Center. We come back. A full NFL recap. Winners, losers at the Sportsbook. Chuck Esposito will join us. We'll talk a little more Raiders Patriots right here on a manic or magnificent Monday, depending on how you're looking at it. I don't care who they put in there at tackle. They got to deal with us. Capital of the world. Well, you better hope you can play as long as me. Hey, I don't even know your name, but you know mine. It's the TC Martin Show. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare chested. Somebody stop that down. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, they got him. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40 yard line. Diagnosis. They suck, so I don't need to be out game plan. Prognosis. I'll knock you out. Osmosis. All I know is. You mess with me, you got problems. That's all I know. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. When you get on your knees and say your prayers tonight, pray. The doctor is now in. Oh, yeah. All that screaming. (laughs) Ah, plenty of screaming yesterday in this building. T.C. Martin live at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. 
Game three yesterday, the Las Vegas Aces lose to the New York Liberty. They now trail the series two games to one, the WNBA Finals. Game four here on Wednesday, so we're going to be here through then. And uh, Thursday will be a travel day, Friday, back home. And will there be a game five at the Michelob Ultra Arena? We'll see. We will be at the Westgate Las Vegas at our normal Friday home at the world-famous Superbook on Friday. But today, here in Brooklyn, and the uh, crowd pumping in here because we've got an exhibition game here tonight. The Brooklyn Nets are taking on the Philadelphia 76ers, which is turning into quite a rivalry between these two teams. So they've, uh, gonna, they're going to be getting it on here in about an hour and a half. So I am here in the arena at the Barclays Center. Marco D'Angelo and Chris Wynn back in our studios in Las Vegas. Glad to have both of you guys uh, with me here today. Marco usually here on Monday and Friday. And C. Wynn can usually be heard uh, the show before us uh, hanging usually on a Monday. So C. Wynn, appreciate you being here, brother. Absolutely. Always good to join you guys on a manic Monday here. You, Marco D'Angelo and company. And look, uh, you know, it's Monday. So what does that mean? You're coming out of a weekend with just uh, just all kinds of stuff going down that uh, we can talk about. And, and yeah, we've, we've had some great stories so far on the show, but but uh, there was some football that was played yesterday, right, guys? Wow. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, the Las Vegas Raiders got the job done. They defeated the New England Patriots 21-17 to yesterday, guys. A quick take on that. And you looked at uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, got the start, played pretty well for a first half. And, again, I know you guys – we're watching this game up close and personal. I know, see when I believe you were there, and uh, I was not because I was calling Game Three of the WNBA Finals. But looking back here, we, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo injured his back. He was 14 for 22 in the first half, 162 yards. Had that 12-yard touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers, and uh, the Raiders got a victory over a New England Patriots team that is a shell of themselves. And uh, they have been just downright awful this year. The Raiders get the win. They improved to 3-3. Three and three. They had a 13-3 lead at halftime. I guess New England came back and made a close C win. What were your observations from that game? Yeah, look, the Raiders were able to get some things going at, at, with with uh, with respect to some of their pieces on offense. Obviously, whether it's Josh Jacobs on the ground a little bit. Obviously, I mentioned earlier in the show through the air, you get uh, the touchdown to Jacoby Myers. But you know, I think you know to uh, to kind of sum up this tilt, right, uh, Doctor, between Vegas and New England and Marco. I got to get your take. It rolled. I mean, it was tight at the end of this football game, and then kind of the way things shook out, right, Mister D'Angelo. When it comes to a betting perspective, and and, and all of a sudden uh, we see what transpires there at the end of the game for that Vegas defense coming through. Yeah, TC, you didn't see the game, and fortunately for me, I as I said, New England was dead to me. I would have probably pulled the final few hairs that are left on the top of my head out had I had the Patriots yesterday plus three when it was sitting nineteen seventeen. What was it? Under two minutes Maybe to play? Maybe a minute and 45 left, I think. Yeah. Something around that number, yeah. right? And the Patriots, Mac Jones gets sacked, drops back, just keeps dropping back, and uh, gets, the, gets the safety, makes it a, a four-point game for everybody that bet the Patriots plus three, heartbreak city once again. And I'll be curious when we talk to Chuck Esposito at the bottom of the hour 
how much money changed hands on that little safety uh, yesterday for the books. And much like in uh, the opener with the New York Jets, right, TC, and they lose Aaron Rodgers. Now there's an injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. Newsflash, right? Injury to Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> here in Vegas with the Raiders. Now there's a question as to what they do at quarterback. Obviously, Brian Hoyer is expected probably to be the guy if Garoppolo can't go, but they may even go to an Aiden O'Connell. But it, uh, the point being is that you get a victory, much like the Jets did in that first game, and uh, yet you still have bad news regarding your quarterback situation. Yeah, bottom line is, I mean, the Raiders do not have the toughest schedule, and they had an opportunity to, again, even you know get a win against the Chargers earlier this year. Now you look at they've won two in a row. They beat, uh, they come in here now. They they got a chance to beat Chicago, who is just dreadful as we know. So and these schedule makers kind of uh, you know kind to the Raiders here, and Raider fans. Could uh, you know be looking at a glass half full situation? However, I kind of think it's it's kind of a mirage here because again, the Raiders finally got over 300 total yards yesterday. Uh, I believe that's the first time all season that has happened. But you look at Josh Jacobs, 25 carries again. Now, if we look at the Josh Jacobs from last year, 25 carries would probably result in at least 100 yards, maybe 120, maybe a buck 60, right? Mm-hmm. 77 yards for Josh Jacobs. So, again, not being able to run the ball effectively, understand New England is a pretty good defensive team. Like I said, still a shell of themselves from, from years past. But, man, offensively, just downright dreadful. And I want to go back to what you guys talked about with that that safety with Mac Jones towards the, the end of the contest there. I mean, was that something that was totally avoidable? I mean, you can't take a a safety in that situation. So explain that to me. Well, I mean, you just can't. I mean, look, that's a, a scenario that cannot present itself without question. But uh, to me, it begs a bigger question. I'll bounce off of UTC. Is that uh, what are we looking at right now with the New England Patriots, Marco? I mean, seriously, this is a team, you know, Bill Belichick in the press conference last week after the game, right through five weeks of the season was basically saying that they're going to have to start over from scratch after week five. But TC, I mean, I mean, this clearly appears to be the end of a dynasty run, uh, the end of a spectacular streak of years for the Patriots. But what are we seeing when you're looking at things all thing new, all things New England? Yeah, it's 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 done. I, I agree with you. And they they drafted Mac Jones, thinking, okay, this could be the guy, and it had a very you know. Very good senior season, I guess you want to call it, at Alabama. Uh, but again, you know, he's not Jalen Hurts. Uh, this is a guy that I actually thought would perform a little bit better, especially in Belichick's system. But they've just had too much turnover, guys. Too much turnovers with the offensive line, uh, the running game. They haven't had a, a go-to running back in quite some time. And as we know, New England has always kind of done it by committee, but they've always had, you know, a very good running game. They've had good tight ends. And, of course, you have Rob Gronkowski, Gronkowski for a majority of that. And you've always had good wide receivers. Jacoby Myers was a guy that, you know, you lost. And I think a lot of people were thinking, okay, well, he's nothing special because Patriot fans remember, you know, him giving the game away. The last time they were at Allegiant Stadium last year as he threw the pass cross field of Chandler Jones who ran the ball in the end zone and I think they're saying okay good riddance to Jacoby Myers but they've had no one be able to step up at the wide receiver position so I agree and uh, the Patriots have always done a great job of drafting as well so sure they've had Tom Brady for all those years but still even after Brady left and went to Tampa Bay the Patriots were still competitive and 
you know, still kind of a perennial playoff team. But I agree with you. I think the Patriots are done. It is total rebuilding mode. I know that there are people out there thinking that, okay, Bill Belichick's got to go now, but he just doesn't have the horses there on either side of the ball. TC, when you look at Mac Jones, and I agree with you, coming out of college, I thought he was going to be a perfect fit in New England because he was that old-style quarterback. You know, Brady wasn't a scrambler, you know, but you know Brady could sit back there and, you know, dissect the field. Mac Jones can't do that. But the one thing that Mac Jones can't do that I think is the problem with this offense right now, if you look around the league, all of the successful teams – they don't have the old school quarterback. It, it's you got to have that threat to the run. Whether you're, you know, running the a running quarterback. I'm not saying that you have to be a dual, you know, threat that you're doing every other play like a Lamar Jackson as much as he used to run. But you have to have the ability and escapability so that teams have to put a linebacker, you know, to spy on you to worry that you might take off. They have no issues with Mac Jones. You know when they're in the pass formation, they're pinning their ears and they're coming after him because he's not going to tuck the ball and run. Right. Well, what can't happen is what happened yesterday, which we talked about. Okay, you have, what, third and 15 from the two-yard line, and this happens? Side of Bourne. Thornton on the outside. Parker to the left. Jones is in the end zone. He'll be saved by Crosby. He came from the left side of the defense. And up the middle, Bilal Nichols collaborates for the Raiders. It's a safety. Pure offense ineptitude. And it started with the first play of the drive. A little angle route to back to get you four yards. And then you hurry up a call run which is negated because you had a holding call on a panic call as the two-minute warning was approaching. There's the uh, Patriots uh, radio network uh, on that call. Uh, just uh, just dreadful. Like you said, Marco, we'll talk to Chuck Esposito about that when we get him on here in about 15 minutes or so. But a lot of money changed hands there. Again, two-point game, not done, and the Raiders a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Raiders cover. And Marco and TC is a guy who started his career in Boston in that market. I can only imagine what is going on right now with that fan base there in New England and, of course, the media there regarding, uh, you know, kind of the rats just starting to scramble around as far as discussions as to what this, this uh, in what direction this organization is going to go. Look, there's going to be no drastic change in which you're going to see Bilicek retire or anything along those lines, but there's certainly, I would expect, in that market, a ton of discussion uh, as to whether or not Mac Jones is a franchise quarterback in this league. Do they go the direction of Bailey Zappi or somebody else? You know, uh, are they going to have to make uh, you know some significant changes from a personnel standpoint for this Patriots franchise moving forward? And here's the thing, see, when I would not rule out the the Belichick retiring situation because think about it. I mean, he's going to have to retire at at some point in time, right? I mean, Belichick's approaching seventy. I mean, I mean, why, why not? I mean, he doesn't want to stick around for this. Now, I understand he's a football lifer. I get that. But he's going to retire sooner than later. So why not after this season? I think that just, that's a fair discussion. TC, though, seriously, could you really see Bill Belichick, the hoodie, retiring after like a 14-3 and season that could absolutely transpire this year? Do you guys actually, can you see that happening? 
A fourteen and three season? The other way. No, around. excuse me. Three, four, uh, three, three I said, and fourteen. I meant four and thirteen. My, oh, my mistake. Th- I got you. I got the you. The dyslexia you. kicking in. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, because here's the thing: Do we see it getting any better? Mm-hmm. I mean, in, unless they have like a, uh, you know the first or second pick overall, where you can get a franchise quarterback. But again, you know, it, it's going to be Caleb Williams, and I'm not sure, you know, who else you feel really comfortable drafting that can make a difference. I mean, they thought Mac Jones was going to be that guy. Are you going to turn around a couple years later and and draft another college quarterback? And can you sign a free agent? There are not many free agents that are signing off to go play in Foxborough, Mass, especially like you said, if they're coming off a a you know four and thirteen season, or maybe even a you know a six and eleven season. I don't know. I mean, it's coming sooner than later. Marco, what are your thoughts? Yeah, if he gets an early draft pick and can get you know one of these quarterbacks that are coming out, you know, have a franchise quarterback. I think knowing his ego, I don't see him as somebody that would want to walk away from a utter disaster of a season. I just think he, you know, I don't want he doesn't want that legacy to be that way because right now and you're hearing it, you know, people are saying, "Well, was it Tom or was it Bill?" Well, obviously Tom left and won a Super Bowl without Bill, and Bill hasn't done anything since Tom left. So it's there's that little asterisk to, you know, to his legacy. And I think, you know, there's quarterbacks out there. I, the Caleb Williams situation um if your guy bets futures you know i think he he lost the heisman on saturday night he will not you know we know how hard it is to repeat just because there's that some people have that bias they don't want to vote a guy two years in a row that's one but you know notre dame made him look bad on saturday and you gotta like the two guys that were in the absolute game of the week it was so in, enjoyable to watch and i was shocked i, I texted tc yesterday I go, holly Rowe was on the sidelines of the oregon washington game which was a 330 you know kickoff yeah. you know and then she's in new york you know, less than 24 hours later, covering the WNBA. But if you saw the two quarterbacks, you talk about a game that lived up to all of the hype. You know, Bo Nix is surprising me this year um, because I've seen too much of Bo Nix remembering the early years at, at Auburn and that. Okay, he's, he's a different quarterback at, at Oregon. But I've been singing the praises all year from week one. Michael Penix Jr. is an absolute beast. And he took them after they blew that lead where Oregon kept, you know, giving them opportunities, you know, when they kept gambling. I couldn't understand him going for it where, where he did and give, well, I know he wanted to end it. He gets yeah. the first down, game's over. So he's saying he has more confidence in his offense than he does his defense. But you're on the road. You got to punt that football away. The minute he gave Washington the football back, 55 yards away from the end zone, and in two minutes to play, uh, you know they still got to execute. But they hadn't stopped them all day. What made them think they were going to stop them there? And you gave them half the field to work with. I would have been punting. All right, going back to the Bill Belichick uh, thoughts. Uh, let's hear from Teddy Bruschi. Sacramento Sports Hall of Famer. He was on Get Up early today. And Teddy, with a great career with the Patriots, knows Bill Belichick better than anybody. Many are wondering if we are seeing the final season of Bill and his incredible run in New England, as accomplished as any coach has ever been anywhere. What is your perspective on it? 
I think Bill Belichick is considering it, and I also think Robert Kraft is the one that has to start to consider, is it time to move on? Because right now, if they get a top five pick, Mr. Kraft has to decide if Bill is the right one to take one of those three, four quarterbacks, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, that you can possibly get, and if he wants to start over with Bill. That's Mr. Kraft's, uh, that's Mr. Kraft's decision. That's an owner's responsibility. Bill always talks about doing your job, and that is Mr. Kraft's job to consider. But the, me, the the wins now, I said this on NFL Countdown, Sunday NFL Countdown yesterday. Bill, I have always known Bill to only coach for meaningful wins. Meaningful in terms of division championships, playoff wins, Super Bowls. It, it's shifted now. The meaningful wins are now all for him. All right? It's for the Shula mark. Isn't that over all of him right now? Yeah. All of the, the organization? Sure. Yes. The 18, he needs to get Shula. I mean, there's, I think it's eight more until all-time loss record also. So, I mean, that's what it's all about, though. That's never what I knew Bill to coach for and to coach, for, like, the goal being. So is it all about Shula? Because if it is... We really got to look in the mirror and say, where are we going in the future? And that's, that's a tough decision for Mr. Kraft. And there's uh, Teddy Bruschi talking about Bill Belichick and how long he will stay as Patriots head coach. And again, he'll never be fired. He's going to leave on his own terms. But for me, guys, it's not about the, you know, wanting to go out, uh, you know, on a bad season. For him, I just think that, you know, he's a lifer. And if he's going to stay, he's not going to care about the rhetoric. He's not going to care what, you know, people say or whatever. He just seems like a football lifer where he wants to continue to coach and coach. There has to be a point in time where he says, you know what? I'm tired of this grind. Remember, he's the guy that coined the phrase, no days off, that he just has to be tired of it and knowing that, you know what? Like Tom Brady did. It's not going to get better anytime soon with this franchise looking at the roster and looking at the young players we basically got to start from start over i think belichick's gonna say let me retire while i'm still relatively healthy those are my thoughts and i'll have a quick take on this right because i uh, you know understand the sentiment that teddy's coming with there but i disagree in a way that i mean he's kind of describing it and insinuating that robert Kraft is going to could should be able to make a decision regarding either you know firing bill belichick right or letting him go and i I think that uh, when you're talking about coaches like Bilicek, when you're talking about coaches like Mike Krzyzewski, Greg Popovich obviously with the San Antonio Spurs, I think those coaches have earned the ability to kind of go out on their own terms, right TC? I mean, I think they have earned that kind of mantra to be able to make that decision. So I wouldn't necessarily agree with Teddy that, uh, you know, Robert Kraft should have this ability. Look, I get it. He's the owner, and, yeah, he's going to do what he wants to do. But I don't know if Robert Kraft is thinking about it in the context of, oh, you know, uh, if, if I don't think that if Bill Belichick in, uh, is the guy to lead with a younger core, right, or drafting a young guy that he thinks is going to be is going to lead the Patriots into their next era, I don't know if if Robert Kraft is kind of thinking in those terms. Maybe I, I could be wrong, though. No, I, I agree with you. And, and again, it's not that the Belichick has earned the right, but I just think mm. it's the relate the relationship that Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick have that you know they've been through too many good times, too many Super Bowl victories, too many fantastic seasons, and you know Kraft knows that he's not going to replace Bill Belichick with a better coach. So Bill can stay as long as he wants, uh, barring some huge you know, blow up or, you know, philosophical differences between the two. 
So that's what I think it is. I, I, Belichick steps down when he feels ready. But, again, I think there's going to come to a, a point in time, again, age, everything else, and just kind of, you know, looking at the the crop there. And it's, it, it's definitely the cupboard is getting bare and bare each and every year. Guys, let's take talk about uh, NFL Week 6. Injuries was the key. And it really was not a pretty weekend. It was a mistake-filled weekend. It was a lot of ugly football when you think about it. I mean, teams converted only 43% in the red zone into touchdowns yesterday. Think about that. That is the worst week of football we've seen in the NFL since 2014. Okay? more Nine seasons. 43% in the red zone. Now, a lot of that is because you have a lot of bonehead coaching decisions. And we saw a lot of that, especially with the Giants there last night. But we've also saw a lot of injuries yesterday. Four quarterbacks injured and left the game. We saw Christian McCaffrey leave for the San Francisco 49ers. Debo Samuel as well, too. Uh, From the quarterback perspective, Justin Fields for the Bears leaves. Garoppolo, which we talked about for the Raiders. Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars. Ryan Tannehill of the Dolphins yesterday. All left. And then Lane Johnson was a huge injury for the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday, uh, the all-world offensive tackle. Uh, David Montgomery left for the running back. Damian Harris had to be taken off by an ambulance in Buffalo. But it was just an ugly week for injuries and an ugly week for offensive production. The biggest uh, ugly, if you got up early, was watching Baltimore. They won the game 24-16, to but it was all Justin Tucker field goals basically in that game. Every time, you know, they were moving the football well, but they couldn't get it into the end zone. And, you know, coming into the season, and I was one that was high on Baltimore, yeah. you know, because they gave him his money. Lamar Jackson has no excuse anymore. He's got his money. He's paid. They went out and got him toys to throw the football to, you know, ramped up that offense. And we have not seen that explosive offense. They're scoring less points this year than they did last year, you know, when, when Lamar was, was in there healthy. And ugly was the word of the day that TC used, right, guys? And I'll circle back to that 49ers-Cleveland Browns game, right? You're featuring two of the top defenses in the NFL. You talked about the injury to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel for the Niners. This is a San Francisco team, guys, that has been rolling, flat-out destroying people, including that, you know, just lambasting of the Dallas Cowboys last week. And uh, they take it on the chin with Cleveland's defense stepping up, and the Browns get the win in that one. Uh, Two surprising games, right, TC, at the top of the NFC when you see the Niners losing and, of course, the Jets getting the win over the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, one of those quarterbacks that Marco talked about as far as being mobile but not overly running of course is Jalen Hurts and uh, a Philadelphia going down so now you've got three teams at the top of the NFC and Marco D'Angelo TC Martin brought it up to me in the break am I drinking the Detroit Lions Kool-Aid and I have to say Dr. <laughs> I kind of am, as Detroit sits at the top of the NFC, along with the Niners and the Eagles at 5-1. and one. No, and again, that was a great spot for the Lions. I, think, uh, I used them in the contest uh, yesterday and at the, at the at the Westgate, and I, I like the Lions. I, and you and I have talked about that before, C-Win. I, I, I really like the Lions team, and the more they play together, the more confidence they're going to get, and they should be a playoff team. But going back to the Niners game, guys, I was looking at this game yesterday – uh, in between breaks and you know at halftime of the Aces game here in Brooklyn 
And I'm saying, okay, the, the Niners are going to come back and win this game, right? And I had no idea at the time, again, because I didn't get a chance to see the NFL yesterday, that Christian McCaffrey got injured and Debo Samuel as well, too. But the Niners had a chance. They were ahead in this game. Cleveland came back, took the lead, 19-17, and the Niners are going down to win the game. And then they end up settling, underline the word settling in parentheses, settling, instead of pushing the ball downfield to try to get in the end zone, they settle for a Moody field goal. Moody wasn't that good at Michigan. And we saw Moody firsthand miss, what, three field goals in the preseason game against the uh, against the Raiders in Allegiant Stadium? And so when I said, please do not, because I, no full disclosure, I had the Niners on the money line yesterday. Just win the game. And I'm thinking, I hope it's not weather conditions or whatever. And I see these going to line up for a 41-yarder. I'm going, well, even Moody should be able to make this. But in the back of my mind, I just remember Moody being a choke job. And sure enough, I see the highlights later last night, and there it is. It drifts right. But that was sickening. The teams combined for... Six of 25 on third down. Combined. Each team converted on three third downs. Brock Purdy had 107 passing yards. The Niners had 215 total. Now, I'm not buying the, the Cleveland Browns defense being that stellar because it seemed like the Niners moved right down the field, deep from their own territory, to get into field goal range, and Moody shanks it. Ridiculous. Marco, talk about, uh, you know, shooting uh, everybody's uh, survivor pool, right? And all those yeah. contests in the in the foot when it comes to uh, some of these top teams losing that we're not expected to lose. And some of them are double-digit favorites, right? They are. And the situation yesterday with the, the Browns, in you had the 49ers. I wanted to use the Browns yesterday because of the injury with, with Watson being ruled out, you know. I'd left the game go, you know, and how many times do you see the backup quarterback? You can't play P.J. Walker. You can't. <laughs> you can't, but the situation was there. Cleveland was coming off. Uh, they had their bye week the week right. before, so they had extra time to prepare. You had the 49ers coming off a very satisfying win the week before against the Cowboys. That was deemed as, you know, the possible NFC championship, you know, preview. And now they go and travel. Uh, weather was a little bit of a problem yesterday, you know, in the game as well. But what I did take away from it, we saw Brock Purdy that we saw before at Iowa, you know, Iowa State. I've seen him play, and I've had this conversation with TC many times. I have it etched in my mind that I, you know, I couldn't just sell in, go, you know, all in on Brock Purdy because. I saw too many collegiate games that he didn't. What I saw yesterday showed me that when the system is intact and all of the pieces are there, yeah, Brock Purdy's good quarterback. But when he had to be the guy yesterday because McCaffrey went out of the game, you didn't have the, the wide out, you know, threat with Debo Samuel, he became a very ordinary quarterback. And he looked ugly at times in that second half yesterday. And that's got to be a concern for everybody that was penciling the 49ers in. They need all hands on deck. It works as a team. All right, guys. We are here in Brooklyn. Marco D'Angelo, Chris Wynn in our studios in Vegas. We'll talk a little more NFL from the betting side when we come back. Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock. The 
race and sportsbook director for the station casinos properties. As uh, we close the show here today, looking uh, at uh, tonight's game two, Monday night football, the Cowboys visiting the Chargers, and then also we'll get you updated on the Major League Baseball, the ALCS, and the NLCS, which comes a little bit later on tonight after the show between the Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies. More from Brooklyn and Las Vegas, the bi-coastal T.C. Martin Show on this magnificent Monday. The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The Doctor is now in. Live from Brooklyn, not too far from Queens, where... Akeem and Semi were hanging out. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Coming to Coming. America. There it is, C Win. There you know. I, I don't need you to sing, though. We don't hey, need you to sing a little James you Brown. You don't want that. I don't want that. TC Martin here in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, getting ready for tonight's game between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. They have a game here tonight on the same floor where the New York Liberty played the Aces yesterday in game three where the Liberty were victorious, and now making a real series of this thing. Two games to one, the Aces still lead. Aces still have closeout fashion. Game number four, which will take place on Wednesday. So we're going to be here through then, broadcasting the show live from here. And, of course, game number four coming up here on Wednesday night, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time. And then uh, back Thursday, and hopefully there's not a game five. But if there is a game five, it'll be back in the Michelob Walter Arena inside the Mandalay Bay, and that will be electric. The home team has dominated the regular season series and these finals, and uh, not one game has been close. Only one game has been single digits, and that was when the Liberty defeated the Aces here in Brooklyn on August 28th. It was a nine-point victory for Brooklyn. Everything else, blowout city, and... Uh, that pretty much happened yesterday as the Liberty defeated the Aces by the score of 87-73. to T.C. Martin here in Brooklyn. Marco D'Angelo and Chris Wynn back in the studios in Vegas. And Chuck Esposito joins us now as he normally does on Mondays over at Red Rock Casino right there in the sportsbook. Chuck, what's going on, my friend? All good, T. Just, uh, you know, fun Monday. You got some baseball going on, a big Monday night football game. Um, overall, pretty good weekend. Uh, good crowds, great atmosphere. Probably from our side of the counter, biggest Sunday of the year with both the Niners and Eagles going down outright. Uh, but some liability tonight with a big parlay card out there tied to the Cowboys. Mm. You talk about that game tonight with Dallas and and the Chargers, virtually a pick 'em. I believe what you guys have Dallas with a, a point and a half favorite or so, right, Chuck? Uh, but I, the Cowboys being America's team, being the public betting team here. Um, I don't know. How do you see this game unfolding? It's hard to say, Tina. There's a trend with Dallas since 2021. They are now going back this year with the win after the Cardinals game. They're 10-1 and against the number after suffering a loss. They're a very small favorite in this game. You've got the whole Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore kind of side story, although they both say that, you know, both sides are in agreement. Kind of different philosophy and different style where McCarthy has clearly said, I want to run. 
I want to run some more, and I want to run some more. And I think we've seen the difference in their offense this year uh, opposed to Kellen Moore, who really wants to throw and move the field, move the game downfield through the air. So um, we'll see. You know, happy to root for whoever we need when the game uh, kicks tonight. Um, but uh, we've started to see a little bit of Charger money uh, start to show over the last couple of hours. Marco, you got an opinion in this game with the Chargers hosting the Cowboys tonight? Yeah, I'm on the Cowboys coming off the embarrassing loss last week, and I know the Chargers have the benefit of extra prep time. But, again, this Charger defense is not good, and I think Dallas will be able to exploit exploit them. Uh, it should be an exciting game because Justin Herbert's going to keep the Chargers in any ball game that he's healthy, but I just got to go with the Dallas. I know people make jokes about Mike McCarthy, but there's not many coaches I'll take him over, but I'll take Mike McCarthy over Brandon Staley. I, I agree with you, man. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure, Chuck, that you, you know, that's probably one of the main reasons, besides from what we said earlier about Dallas kind of being a, a public team and America's favorite team here, and, they, and people love to bet the Cowboys. But I know Mark was the same way I am. You like getting a pretty good team coming off an embarrassing loss. You figure that's not going to happen, you know, two weeks in a row. You think that's part of the factor why you have so much liability with the Cowboys tonight coming off parlays? Yeah, I would think so, T. I mean, it's like I talked about, too. Again, 10-1 and 1 since 2021 um, after a loss, and that's against the number. And it's not a, a true home field advantage for the Chargers. I mean, my guess is tonight you're going to see a, a larger contingent of Cowboy fans in the stands than you will uh, Charger fans in L.A. tonight. So I think that hurts a little bit as well. And uh, Marco's actually absolutely right. I mean, the Chargers come in, I think, 31st defensively, not good against the pass. But I, that's really not what McCarthy loves to do. Um, I'm really curious to see how he attacks it tonight going up against Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore is going to try to attack it through the air, do maybe what the 49ers did last week, and see if he can exploit uh, some of the Dallas defense. Dallas is a little bit banged up on the defensive side of it. Um, but I think that's probably the main reason why you're seeing more Cowboy money. And unfortunately, if there's a coach right now who could make that, that kind of questionable call, it points to one sideline, that's for sure. Chuck, you alluded to a couple of the big favorites that did not come through yesterday, but overall favorites were 9-5. and five. And uh, I know, C. Wynn, you got some uh, opinion on that as well, too. Absolutely. And, uh, Chuck, you think about it, right? A lot of us, uh, you know, novice bettors like myself who hit the window, my friend, and uh, we take a look at our parlays. I know uh, parlays can be tricky, right? Sunday, was no, uh, there's no shortage of opportunities for those parlay tickets to get ripped up, of course, when you have teams like the uh, Philadelphia Eagles losing, obviously the San Francisco 49ers going down. And then, of course, you know, what transpired in the – Sunday night game, right, with the Buffalo Bills taking on the New York Giants. Yeah, very true. I, I think I think it's the magnitude of the games that went down. Um, having the the Browns win outright, having the Jets win outright, and then having such a close game last night. You know, the, the Giants are now six and zero in Buffalo against the number. Their last six trips there, so there was. Some trends there as well. Of course, Buffalo coming back from London. Used to be teams that had an automatic buy, guys, when that occurred. 
Uh, now they can choose if they want that buy when they come back or not. Most teams are not taking it, so they can get a buy later in the in the year. Um, but you just wonder how it affects those teams. But but you're right. A lot of the games, individual games, went the better's way. It's just the big games um, kind of went our way. Except the Patriot game, we were huge Pats fans yesterday, and you know this is back to back years now. Uh, the Chandler Jones interception last year for a touchdown against the Patriots. And now this year, uh, taking that safety really flipped the switch on, you know, us being a winner uh, to a big loser on that game in just a few seconds. That's what I want to talk with you about, Chuck. And we just discussed it in the last segment. Uh, Mac Jones gets, you know, sacked for the safety on third and 15 from their own two yard line, a two point game, you know, then it turns into a four point game. And all of a sudden now Raiders betters are, are, are cash of tickets. How much of a financial swing was that for you guys? And then how about the emotional side where the sports books were probably going crazy? It was huge, T. I mean, the crowd went crazy. You're right. Absolutely huge eruption out there. I mean, if you think about the play before, guys, Devontae Parker drops the ball that it looked like was a was a catchable ball, that he got both hands on that ball. I know it was down the sideline, but he catches that at the mute point. We talk about it all the time. We're looking at that game, knowing we need the Patriots. It's like, nothing crazy now, nothing stupid. Let's just hope they can run the clock out. And, and he takes the safety. And, and you see this happen. I mean, the end of the giant, or the end of the first half last night, um, Taylor audibleizes to a run. They would have had three pass opportunities. Why was, uh, Jalen Hurts throwing in that game against the Jets? I mean, there's, there's so many things that playing Monday morning quarterbacks you can look at, but that was just horrific that he held the ball so long and took that sack. That was the one thing that would have beat us, the one thing that paid the guest, and it happens for both sides of the counter, I know, but that was a huge swing for us. Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock talking NFL action from Sunday. Favorites, like we said, 9-5, and five, but the, the big ones did not. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, losing to the Jets 20-14 to 14 yesterday. Buffalo uh, winning against the Giants 14-9 and did not cover there. And we talked about the Niners earlier who uh, missed a, a field goal that took the money line betters, like myself, uh, out of action with the 49ers. But Cleveland covers 19-17. A lot of unders yesterday, Chuck. I don't know what the exact number was, but, man, it just seemed like under, under, under yesterday. Well, except for the Dolphins game. Yeah, I mean, that does happen where you see that. You know, for whatever reason, it, it, it kind of goes that way. Totals yesterday were, were 3-10 and 10, uh, toward the under. Only three games over, 10 games under. We saw them in the primetime game last night. I think tonight's game, guys, I don't know what Marco's opinion is. I know the total initially went up. It started to come back down a little bit. I just think, I just have this feeling tonight there's going to be some points scored. I would agree with you, Chuck, I, that there should be points scored in this one just because of the Chargers' defense. And once they give up points, it forces them to have to play aggressive as well when we know Kellen Moore wants to play aggressive. There's no way I would hold an under ticket on tonight's game. Quick update on that baseball game, too. 5-3 now as the Astros get on the board in the seventh inning, an RBI double by Brantley, so 5-3 in the seventh. The Astros had a real chance in the sixth inning, guys, to to, to kind of get back in this game, and they go strikeout, strikeout, uh, ground out in that inning, so uh, a real chance for Houston to get back in the game, but now it is 5-3. Uh, the Texas Rangers on top of that one. And uh, right before you uh, said that, C-Win, uh, Chris Bosio just texted me, 
uh, he'll be joining the show tomorrow, and he says Houston is going to win in walk-off fashion. So where, where can I get that live action, Chuck, right now? <laughs> what are the odds on that? Yeah. That's got to be plus about 400 right now, right? I'm sure it's plus a nice little price, you know? <laughs> okay. Marco, take it away. Chuck, I wanted to ask you about one game yesterday, and unfortunately for me, I'm, I'm inflicting the pain on myself, but I, myself and just about every other sharp I know yesterday, and I hate when we all line up on one, especially an underdog, but the Jacksonville-Indianapolis game. I was on Indianapolis, and it was not a good pick from the word go. How did that game play out for you guys? Yeah, you know, it's funny, but that's one of those games that we saw the public you know, clearly on one side, and then you saw yet a good indication of the Sharps were on the other side in that game. Um, it, it was, for us, I think when you looked at that game, we were clearly, you know, Colts fans, but it wasn't a big decision. Um, and we knew pretty much early on in that game we were in big trouble. They, they tried to make a, a little bit of a, a rally, but uh, uh, clearly on the wrong side of that game, which was, and I think, you know, the Jags, after being in London for two weeks, and coming back, everybody thought there was some value on the Colts there, just the way these two teams have played over the last couple of years as well in some close games, but uh, didn't work out that way. And as we alluded to earlier, Marco, there wasn't that many games that kind of went our way. Uh, most of the games, really, we were on the wrong side of. We needed the Bears, didn't get there. We needed the Seahawks, or the um, didn't get there. Needed, you know, had a chance late. Um, needed the Colts, needed the Panthers. The Panthers had a 14 nothing lead. It was a huge parlay bet game in favor of the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, they, they just get destroyed after that 14 nothing lead. We thought early on that was a game that, you know, if we can at least get to 24 points, we're going to win. And uh, we couldn't even get there. Chuck, let's talk about Saturday's action. Obviously, Notre Dame, SC, the big one, all Irish in this one. Curious what kind of money you had on that and which side it was on. And then just hit us with the other the games that were difference makers for you on Saturday. Just really good two-way action on that game, T. The most important thing for us would have been to, to keep the game under. Uh, some of these big marquee games in college football, in many cases, we're, we're getting good two-way action on. There was a uh, you know, a slew of games that day that went our way, a lot that went the better's way. It was a good Saturday, again, for our side of the counter. Not as good as the previous Saturday, um, but I think this upcoming Saturday lines up with some really good games as well. But, uh, again, by far our, be our best Sunday of the year so far. Chuck, talk a little bit about the Aces uh, yesterday. I know that they were a a slight favorite yesterday and uh again they've never had any luck here in this building i thought that was rather strange for them to be the favorite and i guess for a lot of novice wnba fans thinking okay well they're up 2-0 they got the best record in the league but uh, as you know uh, the liberty is a tough out especially at home and now with the injury to chelsea gray uh, game number four was going to be tough anyway for the Aces. I would imagine that the Liberty should now be in the neighborhood of about a four, four-and-a-half point choice in game four. Yeah, I mean, we, we opened the game three, T, and it has gone up, and I think a big part of that is Chelsea Gray. Um, the fact that these teams played five times this year at the Liberty, holding a 3-2 um, advantage. 
I really can see this going to that uh, deciding game five. We were clearly Liberty fans yesterday from the betting side of it or the business side of it. Um, we we're definitely from a fan side of it, rooting for the Aces. We are again in this matchup, but but clearly from the business side of it, uh, we were Liberty fans. And my guess is uh, with, with Aces getting points here, or even with, with or without Gray, we're going to be Liberty fans when they tip on Wednesday. And what's the handle been like, uh, Chuck, for the finals? It's been great, T. I, I think really all the Aces games, especially you know toward the second half of the season and, and then in all the playoff games and leading up to the finals, it's like anything else. We've seen the, the biggest handle we've seen in a very long time on UNLV football. We've talked about it as far as the Raiders and the Knights go, and you can couple the Aces in there as well, that when you have a Vegas team that's relevant and playing well, it just really you know ratchets up the handle, the interest. Uh, from the betters. So it's been really, really good, um, you know, on the aces so far. All right. T.C. Martin here in Brooklyn, Marco D'Angelo and C. Wynn. Either one of you guys parting words for Chuck Esposito? Chuck, let's be honest. Let's talk turkey here. Vegas, are they betting 95% on the Vegas Golden Knights every game? Come on now, really? They have to be, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it is fairly one-sided, buddy, yeah. let me tell you. I mean, we, you know, the best thing for us is that the games have been under. Yeah. Um, you know, they've covered the puck line, winning 4-1 in each game. Um, and, and the betters ride the Knights. I mean, they love betting the Knights, but it's really Knights, puck line, and over. Anytime we can get the Knights game to stay under or have them win by only a goal, it really helps a lot. So far, we haven't been in that bad spot yet where it's nights over in puck line, but they're 3-0. and They're one of the best teams in, you know, in the NHL, and our betters continue to back them. Might not quite be 95%. Maybe it's like 94.5, but it's awfully close, guys. There you go. <laughs> All right, Chuck, we'll let you go. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the games tonight and get on over to any of the Station Casino properties. All fantastic places to watch the games and also bet the games and use the STN mobile app. Uh, big advocate of that app. Uh, love it. And you guys do a fantastic job at Red Rock and all of the properties, Chuck. So uh, keep on keeping on, brother, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, T. Sounds good. Uh, Good luck to the Aces out there. Have some fun on Wednesday night, and uh, look forward to chatting with you guys next week. You got it, brother. Take care. Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock, one of our all-time favorites, one of the great guys on the in the sportsbook side, and, and happy to have Chuck on the show and has been for many, many years. And again, one of the one of the best uh, race and sportsbook directors in town. All right, guys, uh, we look forward to tonight. Marco, I, I may be joining you. You know, I really didn't have an opinion on this game tonight with the the Cowboys and the Chargers, but. Every time I look at the Chargers, two things pop in my head. Justin Herbert, and I love him. I really do. But then Brandon Stately. And it just, I cannot. So that's why I really don't get involved in Chargers games because I'm very, very conflicted. And the Chargers usually have injuries. And we're getting to that point of the season now, too, where, again, they got some of their stars that are out again. So, uh I'll let you talk me into the Cowboys here, my friend, one more time. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if I feel good or, or feel worse now. but uh, I know, right? 
Well, hey, hold on. You better ask C. Win which way don't he's get going. Me to ch- okay, so let me there chime in here, gentlemen. Right? Jeez. As much as I hold in high esteem my colleague over here, Marco D'Angelo, when it comes to the sports betting game, we're talking about one of the best, right? I, I'll take the devil's advocate position here on the Chargers. You're getting, you know, Justin Herbert is healthy. Yes, he has that injury to his off, thro- you know, his non-throwing hand, but it's not expected to really hinder him. You get back Austin Eckler into this offense, and also Derwin James back, also on the defensive side of the football for the Chargers in this game. So I and you have that. You cannot underestimate that Kellen Moore angle to me. I think the Kellen Moore angle, right, the familiarity that he has with this Dallas Cowboys team. I don't know, Marco. I think I'm, I might be. I might be going against you here and taking a look at the Chargers in this tilt against Dallas. Kellen Moore does not play defense for the <laughs> for the Chargers. Okay, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> oh, too funny. Too All right, funny. TC. Hey, you're there in Brooklyn. Uh, you're thinking maybe we give you a couple things, right? As far as spots to hit, I've got one for you, my friend. Oh yes, if that's what look, I'm talking here's about. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, Doctor. All right. All right? If you're looking Bring. to go. Pizza tonight. How about a little Lala's Brooklyn A pizza, right? It's over there in the Grim Brewery, which is the East Williamsburg portion of uh, Brooklyn, right? I love Williamsburg, me, by the way. Let me tell you man. something. Let me tell you something. TC, Frank Pepe's, Sally's in New Haven, Connecticut. That that, that kind of pizza. I don't know if yes. you're familiar with their pizza. It's kind of like thin crust. I've eaten at Pepe's. Long the Mohegan pizza. Sun, my friend. Yeah. The Mohegan Sun, they have a Pepe's there. Those are great spots, my man. So this yeah. Lala's Brooklyn A pizza, another one. So check. So that's that's the C win recommendation for food. Food spots, Marco, for for the doctor, TC Martin. But Look he already had he already had pizza the other night. Is it, you gonna I, you gonna I, double up? Well, here here's I, and here so, it yeah. is. Uh, here's the breaking news for you guys. Right, what do you got? Yes, I had the pizza last night. I had a, a full uh, Italian authentic pizza, very good. I went in there and said, "Do you have any pepperoni?" They this lady almost threw me out. She goes, "Pepperoni?" She goes, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Yeah, pepperoni." I said, "Well." No, we don't have any pepperoni. I said, okay, this is an old-world Italian place, right? I go, what do you have that's comparable to pepperoni? She looks me straight in the eye, guys, and she says, I've never had pepperoni in my life. I would not put it in my mouth, so I can't give you a comparison. Oh, <laughs> and here's the other breaking news, C-Win. What? Lala's is closed Monday and Tuesday. Oh, no. Yes. That's a bad beat. That's a Vegas <laughs> bad beat in Brooklyn for the doctor. I know. I uh, know. Marcos, what, what is your spot that you gave me the other day? I got to see if they're open. They're open. I look. Il Molino. Ah, oh, Il Molino. All right. Could be it. I got to find a spot where I can watch the game tonight, guys. That's what I got to do. But, yeah, there's a lot of these places, especially in Brooklyn, closed on Sunday or Monday. So there you go. Guys, I appreciate you. Uh, Marco D'Angelo, always on a Monday and a Friday. C-Win, stepping in today. I appreciate you hanging with us, brother. Really do. Always a good time. Enjoy yourself there, the Big Apple. All right. All right. We may uh, have more C-Win and Marco here. If uh, things don't get better here for the Aces here in the next few days, we'll see what uh, see what happens here. But we got game number four coming on Wednesday. For Marco and C-Win and Numchuck back in Vegas, TC saying so long from Brooklyn, New York. If there's any part of the show, the interviews, the blogs, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. See you from Brooklyn back tomorrow at 2.